Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Aaron, hey man, it's Luke. Can you stay on the line for just a second? I want us to call my mom on three-way to prep her for this week's episode. I can't wait. Okay, hang on. Hello? Mom? Yeah, hi Luke. I have Aaron on the phone. Uh Hi! Hi Aaron, how are you? (laughs) I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. Before y'all get too chatty, I want to let you know, Mom, Aaron and Nate are back on the episode this week, and they use lots of bad language. Well, let me say a couple of things here. I think he adds bleeps where I was not using curse words. And two, if that's not true, I'm so sorry. Sorry means that you're not going to do it anymore. Oh. Does your mother listen to this or your grandmother? Absolutely not. What if they did? Oh, they're used to it. Yeah, I don't think it would change anything, Mom. I think the world is changing around you. No, 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 no. That doesn't mean it's better. Okay, well, I'm going to start the episode, but I just wanted you to have a heads up, and Aaron, I wanted you to have an opportunity to go ahead and apologize in advance. Let me hear what he had to say. I was just going to say, I'm not proud of the language that I use. Well, I'm not proud of the language you use either, <laughs> but I love you dearly anyway. Oh, well, thank you, and the feeling is mutual. I love you both, but I'm going to start the episode now. Love Bye. you. Bye, everybody. Hi, Luke. Bye, Aaron. Bye. From Mill You Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Bronner. This is Season 1, Episode 8, T-Bones and Melon Farmers. Today we're looking at the week that ended Saturday, April 8, 1989. Hello again, friends, and welcome to Episode 8 of 30 Pop. We've got a jam-packed episode this week, so I'm just going to dive right in. The number one album in the country for the final time after an impressive five-week run... You guessed it, Debbie Gibson's Electric Youth. In the movie world, we got the first of two classic Jean-Claude Van Damme movies for this month, Cyborg, as well as Michael Keaton, Christopher Lloyd, and Peter Boyle in a comedy about a group of mental patients on a field trip in New York City trying to save their comatose caregiver from a band of killers, the Dream Team. But it was another comedy release that took the box office this week, and I sat down once again with my friend Nate Williams to talk about it. Nate, welcome back to the show. So good to have you again. Luke, this is crazy, man. A moment of truth. This is a little safe zone. When I listen to the episodes I'm not on, I'm super jealous. And it's like, God, I wish I was just sitting there talking with them about 30 years ago. It's funny. We closed last week's segment with me telling you, hey, we'll have you back for Saved by the Bell. And I didn't realize that you were a fan of the film that we're going to talk about today. So today we're going to talk about a film that released 30 years ago this week. 
Major League. Oh, yeah. Great movie. So yes, coming of age for all boys in my upper 30s. Charlie Sheen as Ricky Vaughn, Tom Berenger, Corbin Burnson. Lots of big name folks. Wesley Snipes. This is the first thing I ever saw Wesley Snipes in. Yeah, Willie Mays Hayes. Willie Mays Hayes, man. Such a great character. So many push-ups. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, okay, there's a, let's tell people in case they haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while. And you haven't seen it in a while. No, it's been a long time, but I am not worried at all about this conversation. Okay, so why don't you just tell folks the general idea of this movie? What's the plot of this So, movie? Cleveland Indians, a very long-standing Major League Baseball franchise, historically terrible. Modern day, they're really not so bad, but 1989, they're in the midst of decades of embarrassingly bad baseball. So, the owner of the team hates the team, hates the idea that she is living in Cleveland, comes up with the idea that we're going to suck so bad that nobody will come and we'll move the franchise to the city of Miami. Shenanigans ensue. The team finds out, and now they're the hard, scrappy guys. The city rallies behind them, and they do wonderful things, and they stay in Cleveland, and the sequels progressively get worse. Yes. (laughs) As many movies do. Yeah, so she starts out by like bringing in a list of players who are terrible or who are no name or one guy's even dead on the roster. Oh, yeah. The whole point of bringing in these players is they're going to be, and I'm using the word shitty because the word shitty is used throughout the movie as how bad these guys are. They have a guy that just got out of the California Penal League, as he refers to it, got out of the prison system. Uh, guy's been retired a long time. Yeah, they are bringing men who have no reason to still be on a Major League Baseball team and forming a team. Yeah, okay, so I just watched it right before you got here. I hadn't seen the movie in years. It actually really holds up, like, for the most part. I mean, there's some problematic things. I mean, obviously, 1989 race issues are not a worry. I mean, the very fact that it's the Cleveland Indians and their logo is this bright red face, like, it's just It's 2019, and this is the very last year that Chief Wahoo is going to be elected allowed to be used on their stuff. So I mean, 30 years later. Is that true? Yes, this is true. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Because I thought, I was like, I think that's still there. And I don't follow baseball at all. But, yeah. So it's it's going away. It is officially not going to be on their merchandise as of 2020. Wow. Somebody may Twitter fact check. I may be a year off, but I believe this is the last year that Chief Wahoo is still considered uh, worthy of the white man sport of baseball. Man, what a <laughs> How awful inappropriate is that? way to say that. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that because it makes me really uncomfortable. Like I'm one of those people, people, you know, like they complain that there's people like me who have a problem with everything, but mm-hmm. like, that's a problem. Like you can't name a baseball team. Well, you can Indians. when they named it that you know, eventually right. Notre it, it Dame... Was a the, different world, right. sure. We still have the fighting Irish. Nobody's mad yet about the drunk Irishman, but it's yeah. coming. <laughs> yeah, oh, I bet you there are some people that oh, are mad yeah. about it. Okay, so you saw this movie as a kid? Oh, countless times. What do you remember about it? What sort of memories do you have around this movie? I mean, I know we're trying to keep this to a normal length episode. I can... No, bring Not it scene by scene, but I can get through it. Like I said, it's a bunch of guys coming together and triumph of the human spirit as all movies are about Mm -hmm. but it's just the ridiculousness of it all these guys from different backgrounds that are forced to be together even we have the catholic relief pitcher with the voodoo outfielder and Mm -hmm. you know there's just again shenanigans ensue all over the place okay so the voodoo outfielder this is funny to me it is dennis haysburg oh yeah big dog very serious actor now but here he's yes so i know him as and i'd seen this as a kid but he wasn't anybody to me then right 
But then I watched 24 throughout the mid 2000s, and he's President Palmer. Like I, he's the Allstate guy, you know. Well, and I am the exact opposite. He is always Serrano to me. That's except amazing. he is chiseled. Like dude is in shape yeah. in 1989. Yeah. So is Wesley Snipes, by the way. Wesley he Snipes probably is, still is. Yeah. But like, but th- yeah, there's a couple scenes where I'm like, my gosh, he was built like that in '89. That's incredible. Unfortunately, he just couldn't hit the curveball. That's true. That's right. That's true. He's not even invited to the big league camp. The dude just shows up. They don't know who he is. They kick him out of the little lodging area, but the next day he wakes up outside. He's like, what's going on? And guys are running their times from home to first. Yeah. Dude jumps out of bed in his pajamas. He's the fastest guy on the team. And they're like, I mean, okay, I guess we're going to sign this guy. Yeah, what's funny, he, you know, he pulls up to in this... VW Bug, but the front end, and I remember this in the '80s. People would do this. It's like it's almost like a Rolls Royce or something that they've replaced the front end. Oh, it is with. an opulent grill. It is amazing. <laughs> he pops out in this, you know, suit, looking all good, and yeah, yeah. But amazing. followed, I believe, directly after, maybe before, is Wild Thing Vaughn in his taxi. Again, he comes. He just got no, out of he, prison. He comes up on a motorcycle. Oh, he's motorcycle. Yeah, he, he gets dropped off on a motorcycle. Yeah. The back of the motorcycle. Yes. Yeah, with the haircut. The with, crazy haircut. Dude, Luke, crazy haircut. So one, I love PlayStation. One of my favorite video games is MLB The Show. Okay. It most recently came out with the newest edition two weeks ago. When you're building your characters, one of the hairstyles you can choose is called the wild thing. That's amazing. And obviously, everybody knows who it is, but I assume by just calling it the wild thing, yeah. air quotes, they don't have to do anything. With yeah, it. they don't have to pay any license <laughs> right. or anything for that. Amazing. So Bob Euchre is also in the film. He plays the announcer. Just a bit outside. Amazing. Amazing character. Like, he's sort of a background character. Well, do you know that his real-life career, otherwise, he was on... Mr. Belvedere. I was thinking Belvedere. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's the the dad dad in Belvedere. But his career, he was the Major League Baseball announcer for the Milwaukee Brewers for decades. Okay, so that makes so much sense because the whole time I was watching it this time, I was like, man, he's got like a perfect voice for this and like... Clearly, that was his know. job. I, yeah, even uh, when I worked for the Astros, they were playing the Brewers one time, and I got to ride an elevator with Euchre, and I was really? starstruck. And it was just that's amazing. Yeah, you know, the were guy, you starstruck because of baseball or because of Major League? Or, oh, it was Major League or Belvedere. It was definitely Major League. So funny, man. So his whole character, you know, he starts out the stadium's empty. He's like drinking from the very always beginning. drinking, always drinking. Yeah, but by the end of the season, you know, he's into it. Yeah. But he knows that he's going to hate his job for the year, and he's got his like little peppy sidekick announcer friend who's trying to do a good job and has to hit mute all the time it's oh, it's wonderful yeah, it's the best yeah anything else that jumps out of you for that movie well of course because one of the biggest things is there's the movie and then through the 90s early 2000s there's syndication i mean i know that's the word for reruns but major league is a tbs movie okay. always on tbs and one of the biggest things that sticks out is i know the edit as do many listeners right now the the manager goes up to wild thing vaughn and you know this ultimate scene and the line is, strike this motherfucker out. But no, on TBS, and people are saying it and grinning and laughing right now, it's strike this melon farmer out. <laughs> they changed the MF to melon farmer. Which, okay, so let's talk about that scene. So it's not the manager, it's Roger Dorn. So it's Corbin Burns. Oh, the third baseman is the one who does Whose it. wife, Charlie Sheen, yeah, has he just slept, slept with her. With. Right. And so this that's, is their first interaction after. There you go. He's burying and, the hatchet there. Yeah. So the fact that he says melon farmer. Oh, yeah. And it's not even a good dub. You know, if it's like, hey, strike this melon farmer out, there's passing, but you right. you can obviously read MF her, but it's strike this melon farmer out. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. That's amazing. So one more major league question for you. If it was to be remade today, who can you imagine playing Wild Thing Ricky Vaughn? 
wild thing. In the place of Charlie Sheen. Who would that be you for know, you today? You know what's so crazy is the answer could very easily Charlie still Sheen. be Charlie Sheen. <laughs> that was my answer too. That is him. <laughs> that is exactly um, what I thought. Let's see. Who is drug addled and you're just worried that they might off them? Pete Davidson. Oh my gosh. I freaking exactly love Pete right. Davidson, but you know what? He's not going to be here in 10 years. He's no. going to Chris Farley himself. That's He's going to John Belushi himself. Pete Davidson is, is Wild answer. Thing Vaughn, and I love him, and I think he's so funny. But, man, get it together, Pete. Yeah. We're going to lose you, buddy. <laughs> we somehow still have Charlie, though. I know. Or yeah, sort of. Big upset. Yeah. Big upset. It's crazy to me, though, that he played that role, which it's funny. When I rewatched it today, it's not nearly as silly as I remember it. Like, it's actually just a pretty funny movie. Mm-hmm. I remembered it being, like, hot shot silly, you know, like yeah. over the top. Also Charlie Sheen, correct? Also Charlie Sheen, yeah. No, it's a sports movie. Yeah, like, it, it really it's, is. It's a straightforward sports movie that has its funny, you know, its C plot and all that. There's little things going yeah. on that are giggly, but it's a triumph of the human spirit. It's yeah. guys that people have counted out that join together. The sum is greater than the part synergy. We're going to make something of ourselves because, damn it, we got grit. You yeah. know, it, that's yeah. America, man. Yeah. What's funny, though, is that Charlie Sheen, even while this is pretty serious, it is a silly role for him. He was coming right off of doing Young Guns. So he had just mm. been this like really serious, serious cowboy, actor, like, yeah. right? He had done Ferris Bueller a couple years earlier, like very different type roles. Where does Emilio Estevez and Mighty Ducks fall in here? He's early nineties, I think. Is it? I but he was Young was. Guns as well, right? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's Billy the Kid. Yeah, you know they do progressively get more and more silly. It gets away from what works. You got back to the minors, which is just. Jackassery at its finest. I watched the trailer for that earlier. Scott Bakula. <laughs> oh, man. Like, man, what is going on yeah. here? Like I said, as sequels do, it falls apart. But Bob Eucher. And Corbin Burnson was back for that one, too. Yeah, he was the manager, yeah, right? Yeah. There you go. I mean, I never watched it. I just saw yeah. the trailer. You right? also have like a karate guy playing outfield. It's very nonsensical. So I want us to try a new segment today. Ooh, even better. So this is a segment that I'm going to call Get Off My Lawn. Uh-oh, old guys complaining about old things. Old guys complaining about things. Yes. I want to know, so you're a high school teacher. I am. I want to give you a little space here to just voice one thing. Like, what's one thing that these young people do today that oh, you just man. do not understand? Ah, get off my lawn. The phones, and I'm into my phone too, mm-hmm. but what drives me crazy, I'm a very social person. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am outgoing. I'm an extrovert, so that's where part of the problem lies. But the inability... To have social relationships, when the bell rings, very few people are interacting with each other. All the students walk with their heads down with earbuds in. And like, even if you're listening to a new song every time, like, man, look somebody in the eye, acknowledge, be a human, you know? And it just, that part makes me really sad is that they're more interested in something that they already know. It's a song they've already heard before. They're not breaking new ground as they walk. Yeah. But that is so safe because relationships, interpersonal relationships are scary. Yeah. Well, and all of that happens for them entirely on their phone. Yeah. So like to be social now mm-hmm. for a kid is to be on all of the different you Right. Know, and that and, and it's it's part of it. And and like I said, I get that I'm a big fan of social media. I got friends all over the country that I can watch a buddy's kids grow up in Tennessee because of Facebook. And that's awesome. Yeah. But, man, there's a human in front of you. Like, connect. Yeah. Get off my effing lawn, kids. (laughs) 
Beautiful. All right, Nate. Thanks so much, man. We look forward to having you back very soon. Luke, have me back more. I, I love this I thing. Will. As soon as you get out of school, man. Oh, and tennis season is over. We can start knocking these out. Perfect. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> See you, bud. I expect there to be a lot more Nate Williams popping up over the next few months, and I couldn't be happier about it. Other things that were happening this week in 1989, WrestleMania 5, hilariously subtitled The Mega Powers Explode, featuring wrestling legend Hulk Hogan and the late great macho man Randy Savage, battling it out in the main event over a mutual love interest named Miss Elizabeth. I liked wrestling all right as a kid, although not nearly as much as my older brother, but I distinctly remember this particular event because at some point in the night, the WWF announced the forthcoming Hulk Hogan blockbuster, No Holds Barred, co-starring Tiny Zeus Lister, who would later go on to play Debo in the Friday franchise, which I love. I'll almost certainly be covering that endearingly ridiculous movie on the podcast for its 30th anniversary this June. A few days after WrestleMania, though, there was another pretty notable moment in TV history. And I was joined by my most consistently recurring guest on the show, actor and filmmaker Aaron Hale, to talk about it. Aaron, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's funny. I did not expect last week when you were on the show that you would be on the show again this week. You know, I'm pretty... uh, You or Nate. I'm just around. You're both back. (laughs) You're just not back together. so I know, which is kind of sad. Yeah. So the thing I want to talk to you about, though, this week marks 30 years since Mike Myers debuted on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Nice. And so I thought it'd be really fun to talk to you yeah. about Mike Myers' legacy and what he's done to sort of pave the way for you as a comedy actor. Yeah. And I've seen all of the Halloween movies, so I know... <laughs> I- <laughs> You're an idiot. I knew when I was setting it up that you were going to go there. So Mike Myers of Austin Powers fame. Comedies of they're more like like you might if you watched them back today. They're not great to my memory. Yeah, well the first one's really great. Anyway, you're talking about a different yes, Mike Myers, the comedy actor from Saturday Night Live. Correct. Yes, right. Shrek. You're an idiot. Okay, catch up here. Got it. So Mike Myers' 30th anniversary. I'm curious, as a comedy actor yourself, you're not a comedian, per se, in the way that he is, but you are a comedy actor. And so I'd love to hear just sort of your thoughts on him, what memories you have of him, how he sort of paved a way for the work that you do. Well, yeah. The guy is prolific. He's a genius. I don't know if Saturday Night Live would have been my first introduction. but Really? I just remember very much um, watching So I Married an Axe Murderer when I was a kid. And this is how that movie and But he had already done Saturday Night Live. Right, right, right. right. I I just mean for me, my introduction. Gosh, I love that movie. Me too. And that was like one of the first movies I saw as a kid that my dad loved. Really? Like he, I just remember him thinking it was so funny. And I remember like thinking how cool it was that my, I'm watching this funny movie with my dad and he's loving this movie. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say that that actually could be like one of the main reasons why I even got into doing comedy stuff. Really? That movie? Yeah. And just seeing the movies my dad liked and thought were funny and how I wanted to make my dad laugh like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so Mike Myers was like that a lot. That movie is amazing because it's silly, but it's also really smart comedy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Which was Mike Myers back then. Yeah. He he was... Even Wayne's World is kind of that way, actually. (laughs) Wayne's World is great. Yeah. That's another one. We're going to be covering it quite a bit over the next couple of years because we've got all the movies coming. But even that, like you think of it as just this really silly comedy, but it's actually really well written and sort of executed by him and by Danny Carvey. And, you know, the thing about Mike Myers is uh, 
every role that he played, even on Saturday Night Live and even and you know in his movies and stuff, was that each character always felt like there was a rich backstory, like a rich history to this person. Hmm. Even when he was like playing multiple characters in one movie, it mm-hmm. was like every one of them you believed was a real person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I always loved that about him. There was something about, even if he, he was just like improvising it or doing it on SNL where he's being silly, but there's something about it where you're like, he is fully that person right now. Yeah. And he knows where he came from or she came from, whatever it is. And he was just phenomenal. Yeah. Is that a hard thing to do as an actor as you approach a character? Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, as somebody who's done like multiple characters like that, mm-hmm. and I'm sure this is Mike Myers too, is that for me it was like I already know that person as it's coming out of my mouth. I know mm-hmm. everything about this person, and I feel like I'm that person. In fact, I did a short film where I played multiple characters. It's brilliant. Clementine releasing soon, soon sometime yeah. this year. Yeah, 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 people have to watch it. It's yeah. wonderful. Well, I'll get you a link, and you can share it on something sometime. Absolutely. But I even told my wife after we shot it, there was one character in particular where I was a a woman Mm -hmm. and had a wig and costume on. And I told my... really bad French. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I told my wife that when I was her, it was like I blacked out and I was like fully... This woman and my wife was really concerned about me. (laughs) But I was like, I just knew her so well. And I feel like that's probably Mike Myers. You know, in the meantime, until the film comes out, if people want to see Aaron doing some character acting, you should check out Instagram Aaron Hill Snaps because he's in character all the time and it's wonderful. My wife actually was joking this week and she was like, I don't know why I didn't know Aaron was going to get into acting because he's always... (laughs) He's always acting like a character of some kind. And Mike Myers is a big reason. I mean, I'm... In 89, I was seven years old. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't even seven at this point when he gets on SNL. Mm -hmm. So you think about how much he, you know, informed what I even view as comedy. It's pretty astounding. Now, I'm going to disappoint you a little bit. Sure. So the 88-89 season of SNL, there is not a single cast member, nor is there a single guest who is not white. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is bizarre. <laughs> I know, and so disappointing. Every single host and every single role player on the show is white. That is insane. Yeah. Now, the cast, that sounds right. I mean, I get it. I, I remember that being the case. At least, you know, when Eddie Murphy wasn't there anymore and Chris Rock. Yeah. It was kind of This like, is pre-Chris Rock. Pre-Chris Rock? Okay. Yeah. yeah so, Post-Eddie, pre-Chris. Yeah, I don't remember anyone, but... The host thing, that's crazy. Tim Meadows. This is before Tim Meadows. Right, right, yeah. yeah. All white people. Unreal. Yeah. So we're going to move on a little bit from Mike Myers. I want to talk to you about, (laughs) you already know we're going to talk about this. So the number one single on the Billboard charts this week in 1989 was the song The Look by Roxette. Swedish. She got the look. I love that you always got to sing a line. And it's almost always in falsetto. That's the best. (laughs) Was I was the doing the girl Soul Glow and, last the girl two weeks ago. Set. You did Soul Glow or last week? Just let you. Yeah, I won't do it again. <laughs> I was trying to beg everyone. You. Uh, you want me to do I, it again? That's cool. It's good. <laughs> okay, so Roxette, the look. This yeah. is one of the first singles that's been in that number one spot that, like, in my opinion, like holds up. Like, it's great. It is such a hooky, wonderful yeah. song, but the music video. Ugh. Is so weird. It's bad. Tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like so we watched the music video right yeah, before yeah. we started recording. It didn't even hold my interest for very I know. long. <laughs> you were immediately Wikipedia things. But <laughs> but 
you tell me if I'm wrong, that this doesn't feel like in some dystopian version of Pee-wee's Playhouse. Ugh. It's like a post-apocalyptic Pee-wee's Playhouse where this is... It's a post-apocalyptic <laughs> pornographic Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> it really is, though. It's just the strangest set, and you've got these two... It looks like a girl, set, too. It doesn't look like a, a, right. a bedroom. Yeah, each with an electric guitar that they're only barely playing right. part of the time, and, and I'm pretty sure they're those, not plugged into anything. He's got square sunglasses. Yes. Oh, the best. <laughs> But then just weird. I mean, like, I feel like she's like standing on a toilet or something at one point. Like, she's it was just ironing clothes. Yes, there's like a nurse, like a dirty nurse ironing clothes. Yeah, and then I don't, yeah, it was bad. And you can tell, I, I told you when we were watching, you can tell that they're like multiple cameras and they're of varying qualities. <laughs> yeah, each one is a different one of them is like a VHS. Yeah, but not like they're doing it creatively. Like, <laughs> yeah, they're just, just using what they poorly. got. It's like, oh, we need something handheld. Okay, we'll grab mom's. Uh, yeah, you know, v- Panasonic, you, Panasonic, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, in, and it's so poor quality, and it's going back and forth between, and it's not like artsy. It's yeah. like it's just bizarre. Cheap. Yeah, not to mention Luke. Tell me the lyrics. Yes, okay. So we did a segment a few weeks ago that we called "Bad Words," where we just really dive into the lyric of a song. So we're gonna once again have a segment that we like to call "Bad Words." Now, here's the thing. Before you get started yeah. reading these words, yeah. I just want to go on record again as saying, I love this song. Yes, me too. Bad as the video may be, bad as these words may be, mm-hmm. I love this song. It's a great song. So good. And a great band. Like They really yeah. had some killer stuff. Yes. Oh, man. If I think about Roxette, I think about the Pretty Woman soundtrack, and I listen to the shit out of that. <laughs> Listened to the shit out of that? That's not right. Okay. Okay, so let's go in. Bad yeah. words. The look. Yes. By Roxette. These are the lyrics. You haven't even looked at these. No, I haven't. And I only read the first couple I listened lines. during the video and I thought, what are they talking about? Yeah, it's hard to hear what they're saying, but when you read it out loud, yes. it's, it's, I only read the first two lines. and I'm You can excited. use a Swedish accent if you like. No, I'd rather not. I would love it. I'd really rather not. Because <laughs> it's funny on its own. Just okay, wait. Okay, okay, I trust you. One, two, three, four. Walking like a man. Hitting like a hammer. She's a juvenile scam. I wish facial expressions could come through <laughs> Don't know. in audio format. Never was a quitter. Tasty like a raindrop. <laughs> She's got the look. I feel like I know this girl. <laughs> Is that I, a line or are you saying? No. Okay. <laughs> Heavenly bound, because heaven's got a number when she's spinning me around. Don't understand that. I don't know how any of these lines connect to one Kissing another. Kissing is a color. Her loving is a wild dog. She's got the look. This had to have been written in another language and translated. Yeah, yeah. They're Swedish. You know what I think of every time I hear the word Swedish? The Muppet? Oh, that's a good one, too. I always think of, my bum is on the Swedish. <laughs> Swedish. You remember Tom Green? I remember Tom Green, but I don't remember bum is on he's the like, Swedish. He's like, my bum is on the Yeah, I remember. The, yeah. And then there was like the word Swedish, and he's like, my bum is on the Swedish. <laughs> Swedish. She's got the look. She's got the look. She's got the look. She's got the look. What in the world can make a brown-eyed girl turn blue? That's a great line. That is a good line. I like that. When everything I'll ever do, I'll do for you. And I go, la, 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 la. She got the look. Fire in the ice. Naked to the T-bone. You're lying. I swear to God. Is this... Where are you Naked finding these lyrics? to the T-bone. No. There's no way. Is a lover's disguise. It must Where? be bone. 
It says naked to the T-bone in this thing. <laughs> Where are you looking for these lyrics? There is a 0% chance the actual line is naked to the T-bone. It doesn't even fit. This is what it, I swear to God, that's what it says. Naked is to the T-bone. This is just the Google. Yeah, should I go look it's, somewhere else? They're never right. Oh, There's always right. Okay. something wrong. I mean, hold, hold you're going to open it up and it's going to be like poetry. Perfect. <laughs> okay, let me go find another one. Uh, okay, here we go. I hope it's naked to the T-bone. Naked, naked like, to the T-bone. No. We're going to re-listen. Is a lover's disguise. Banging on the head drum. Shaking like a mad bull. She's got the look. Swaying to the band. Moving like a hammer. She's a miracle man. Loving is, is the... Is it miracle man or miracle comma no, man? No, no comma. Nothing. She is a man. Okay. She's a miracle man. <laughs> Loving... <laughs> Loving is the ocean. Kissing is the wet sand. She's got the look. And she goes, na, 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 na. That's it. She's got the look. Man. I don't even know what to do with... Naked to the <laughs> T-bone in a lover's disguise. That's incredible. It's a great song. It's so good, though. Like, it doesn't change how hooky the song is. No. Man. What a weird... It's one of those songs you just you grew up with it. So you never questioned the you lyrics. You never thought about yeah. it. Yeah. You could even know all the lyrics as a kid, and you sing along, and then one day you're 48 years old, and you go, "Neither what of us." Is for this? the record, neither of us are even yeah. near 48 years but, old. You know, if you were okay, just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah. But you could sing it every time it's on the radio. You're driving down the road, and you're singing along to it, and you would never really think about it. Naked to, to the, the T-bone. T-bone. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> Work that into a script. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Well, thank you for this segment of Bedwords. Thanks for letting me do it. You know, also I you know, listening to that song, it's like it almost sounds like Love is like a bomb, baby, come and get it. You know? Yeah. Like Def Leopard, yeah. You know, you want to know a funny story about that song? Yeah. When I was a little kid, I think I've even shared this before. I've shared it on a segment we haven't aired yet. I used to get dizzy when I would get in trouble. You know, I told you about this. I'm going to freak out. Oh, go ahead. That song would always make me dizzy. I would be in the car and it would like make me nauseous. Pour some Hold sugar on. on me. Hold on because I, I'm about to blow your fucking mind. Okay. I'm ready. Because I remember the first time I heard Pour Some Sugar on okay. Me. Okay. You are going to shit yourself right here. <laughs> Luke, I was at Joyland in Lubbock, Texas on a ride that spun around and around and around. It was called the Music Express. And that song came on. I was probably eight years old, seven years old. And I heard that song and thought, oh my God, I am so cool right now. <laughs> And I remember, like, by the third chorus, you know, like, I knew all the words to the chorus. And so I was, like, singing it, and I was just, like, bobbing my head. But I was spinning around and around and around while you're getting dizzy hearing it. That doesn't <laughs> blow your mind? That, that is pretty That amazing. is weird to me. It is amazing. I always got dizzy when I would get in trouble. So we, yeah, because you were on the Music Express. We were connected, <laughs> like, Elliot and E.T. 
But it used to seriously make me nauseous. I remember sitting in the backseat of a friend's car, and my brother was riding shotgun. I remember this song coming on, and he cranking it up. He loved this stuff. Yeah. And and I just remember like... It was Turn like it, it was like a, like a sugar. I mean, it was like a you know I was getting sick from how sweet. It was like someone was, was pouring <laughs> sugar all over you. Oh, the worst. Anyway, so you made another before we get too far. So we yeah. we made fun of the words, but like legitimately, they were incredible. They had so many yeah. huge singles, and some of them with less terrible videos. Yes, Joyride being Joyride, one of my yeah. favorites. That's what I always think of when I think of Roxette. Yeah, it's a great one. What's funny is I actually think of the look. Music and I think of that music video. I thought those went together. That and would so, actually be a better video for yeah. The look, it for couldn't sure. be worse for sure. No, no, that <laughs> so. one that the Joyride one had a much better budget. Yes, although consistent to their style, they're still just standing out in the middle of nowhere True. with two electric guitars not plugged into anything. So right when we were talking earlier in the day, you mentioned something yeah. about Roxette. The thing about Roxette is that. You could release all of those songs today, and they would be massive hits. Mm-hmm. And I think about the band, the 1975. Mm-hmm. A lot of their jams sound like jams. rock set jams. Uh, and it's like... <laughs> That's the closest to 48 you've sounded. So <laughs> just I mean, As soon as you said that, I imagined you with like, you know what's like weird sandals about that and I, tube socks. <laughs> but I call shoes jams, too, and I don't know. That, just, that just started. <laughs> that started when I turned 45. I started calling it. Okay, James. okay, pick it up. But uh, yeah, the 1975. It's uh, it sounds they sound like rock set. Yeah, in a it's lot true. of ways. And I had never heard them. I've heard of them, but like it's just not music I really listen to. I listen to a lot of hip hop, and so you played me some, and I was like, yeah, you're right. I mean, it is. Yeah. It's it's straight out of the 80s. There's a song called "Love Me." I think is "Love Me." Do what you wanna do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for more false. Anyway. Up. That's uh sounds a lot like the music is like da, 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 da. Yeah. It's, it's really great sort of guitar riff rock. Yeah. And, but like solid. I mean the harmonies yeah. are solid. Like and the synth stuff is really cool and the yeah. drums. Oh, so good. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, before you sign off, high five. Thank you for that. <laughs> I mentioned this on last week's episode, May 10th through the 12th, Comic Palooza in Houston. We'll be doing our Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade anniversary gonna be episode. Awesome. You're going to come down for it. I am making. It's already in my calendar. I'm, I'm planning so on glad. It, for I want sure. so desperately for you and I and Nathan Sharts to be at a table with yes. microphones and Harrison Ford. And, and Harrison Ford yeah, will be there. Yeah. That's not true, but <laughs> asterisk that is not true. Okay, well, fine. But the three of us will. At have least Sean Connery will be there. A, a wonderful time talking. The 30th anniversary of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, May 10th through the 12th, Houston, Texas, Comic Palooza. There is a link in the show notes to buy your passes for Comic Palooza. Be there. <laughs> Aaron, always a joy to have you. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. See ya. I sincerely hope each and every one of you listening to this show has someone in your life who can make you laugh as hard as that guy makes me laugh. It's such a gift to get to sit down with friends like Nate and Aaron every week and have so much fun looking back at 1989. Huge thanks to them and to my mom for being on this week. I'm very excited to share with you that next week we'll be talking about the 30th anniversary of Cameron Crowe's classic Say Anything with my good friend Latifah Alatost as well as the star of that film, actor John Cusack. In the meantime, I'd love for you to follow at 30pop on Facebook and Twitter and at 30pop podcast on Instagram for even more nostalgia. 
I'll be back next week with episode nine. But until then, I only have one thing to say to you. Strike that melon farmer out. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.